contracted on one in San Antonio. Uh, uh, Sphere of Influence, uh, Sphere of Influence lead that I uh, picked up in San Antonio was able to put some pieces together and connect uh, with somebody down there in JV uh, wholesale deal. So, so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because their commissions are diminished, then the system as we see it now really, really will change. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. That's right. We are coming back at you. Uh, It's a real estate heavyweights. I am Ashton Hines, and I'm here with my good friends, my flipping mentor, my podcast life partner, Tavis Westbrook. How are you, Tavis? I'm good, man. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Yes, well, I know you've had quite a day. I've had yesterday. We tried to record. It rained for the first time um, in about three months, and internet was not great, and mics were not uh, working, and so we're reconvening. And then today, I know you had a day of running around to your commercial property. Uh, trying, you have a new tenant coming in. You got a lot of stuff going on. What? Give us a little quick rundown. Of what's going on there? Yeah, we got uh, two new tenants actually to finalize it. It's a five-unit strip center. Picked it up in May of 2022, and um, full full-on renovation on the exterior, um, interior. Replaced plumbing, replaced all the HVAC the systems. Um, lots of stuff. Um, you know, lots of uh, details, lots of learning curves, lots of new things to learn. Uh, but I'm on my last two tenants and uh, we finalized the permits or we had to add a add a bathroom in uh, one of the units uh, which is uh, previously previously set up as a restaurant but it only had one bathroom and you had to access through the kitchen to get to the bathroom so that doesn't okay. work for customers um, no. so we just wrapped that up got the final on that yesterday and now the tenants able to go in for their CO and uh, so we're excited about that. That's that Mexican sweet shop uh, that's going in there. And um, so I'm excited to see that. That's La Marquesita is what it is. Um, the uh, State Farm Office that's going in, uh, Unit 103, um, we are doing the TI for that, Tenant Improvement. And we just got all the texture shot on all the walls today. And um, so... We're getting through that and excited to see that. We probably got about a week and a half, two weeks left to uh, get those guys ready so they can apply for their CEO and get moved in. Nice. And I know you got a new tenant in one of your midterms. And so, and I know you're looking for houses. We definitely tried to hit it on this in the end. But if you if you know anyone who is looking to sell or, or needing to uh, get rid of a house that's not appropriate for the MLS, they need a quick offer. Tavis is actively looking. And uh, as we discussed last week, pretty much all over the DFW area, if you have a house that think might fit, he will drive to you and uh, check it out. So I think I yeah. told you too, you know, it's, it's funny how the network works, but um, we actually contracted on one 
in San Antonio. Uh, yeah, uh, that's awesome. Of influence, uh, yeah. Spear of Influence lead that I uh, picked up in San Antonio, was able to put some pieces together and connect uh, with somebody down there in JV, a uh, wholesale deal. So we're cool. excited to put that together, and that should be closing here in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, well, we're able deal. to be an option for people looking for options, if you will. <laughs> You're an option for those looking for options. <laughs> On a distressed asset or people that need cash quick, you know, that kind of thing. So this guy was facing foreclosure, and um, this okay. was a solution to his problem. That's right. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, we really are solutions to problems. We're not out there trying to convince people to sell when they don't want to. But there's a lot of people out there, especially in this market, when things are slower, that, that they just need other options. It, throwing a sign in the yard, selling it with a realtor on the MLS, just is not the, in their best interest. It's They either need to do, go quickly or they can't make repairs. Or sometimes those houses won't um, qualify for traditional funding if a buyer comes through. So there's just a lot of reasons why there are a lot of houses out there who need people like Tavis and people like me. And if we can't take it down, then we have a lot of other friends who flip and, and we can put it into the hands of someone who can definitely close quickly. So um, I've sure. got a flip over in um, Casa Linda, like we've talked about. I lost a week because my cabinet guy was supposed to be there last Monday. He evidently was swamped this week, but he told me today, we're going to do Tuesday for sure. I went over there, verified a few measurements for him. He's already building his stuff. So I'm he feeling told good me about Tuesday it. as well. Well, good. Cause he's your cabinet guy too. <laughs> so you talk to him more than I do. He's definitely more responsive to you because you worked with him for like 10 years. And I understand that. So, all right. You ready for a market update? Let's do it. So I checked out our MLS. Uh, it's crept up a little bit. Days on market crept up to 26 on all the MLS in the DFW area. Last week, I believe it was 24. The inventory went from 3.2 months to 3.4 months. So not huge movement, but it, you know, it does show a little bit of a slowing down. Uh, like we talked about last week, it doesn't seem like it's a necessarily a slow market because 3.2 months of inventory, 3.4, less than 30 days on the market average is still a really fast market. It's just a small market. There's just a record low of number of mortgages being applied for. Interest rates are creeping towards 8%. So there is is a very interesting market. But if you have a house to sell and you're ready to list it, then you have a really good opportunity if you price it properly to go ahead and move it down the road. Let's talk a little bit about affordability. Did you know that affordability, you know, the affordability is 40%. You know, what are the, the median salary in an area and the median sales price, if that number, the percentage of that is 40% or higher, that's officially an unaffordable city. And an article last week, I believe, came out that named Dallas as the 25th least affordable city in the country uh, because it was right around that 40% mark. I think the number was 66,000 was the medium income and 330, whatever the number is there, 333 was the the median price. So um, interestingly, you go a little bit north where we live mostly. I live in Carrollton. Tavis lives in Plano, but I run around Plano a ton. It's actually at 33%. And the houses are more expensive, but that just uh, suggests that the median income in Plano is much higher. So it is it is a lower number. And so all around the, the DFW, out of all, everything up here, Dallas itself is the least affordable city, according to statistics. So I thought that was interesting. I, I've heard that term before less or more affordable and there's yeah. actually a math equation to it well, so 
I think another good to piggyback on that would figure out what the average DTI debt to income ratio needs to be on a $330,000 house. Um, because you can couple that, right? If the median income is 66,000 and you have a DTI of, you know, uh, 40% or whatever the number is, uh, I forget exactly what it used to be what the underlying underwriting guidelines used to be, be interesting because, uh, yeah. we're definitely getting in a, in a position where, uh, the majority of your income goes to housing. And, uh, you know, that's, how it's been for a long time in other parts of the country, especially like uh, when you go up into New England and you go obviously into areas of California and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but Texas has not been that way, right? So for a long time, Texas has been a uh, a very uh, affordable place to to buy property. But yeah. uh, in in comparison to what income is doing, it's it's very interesting to see. Yeah, you know, it's something to keep your eye on. I don't know that anything's going to change just dramatically anytime soon. I've been doing a ton of reading on on sort of what the market is doing, you know, and, and at a certain level, experts and uh, economists are a little baffled too. You know, the interest rate keeps creeping up. The prices of homes are not falling like they thought, you know, they thought something would give. Either interest rates would come down or housing would come down to help with affordability. And it just hasn't happened. I mean, in general, prices have gone up a little bit and interest rates have gone up and everything just keeps trucking along and people basically keep absorbing that. And so at some point, there probably will be some movement. Really, the underlying factor uh, to support pricing is the lack of supply. And we're still completely undersupplied in single family homes right. in the United States. I would say that the, the rates, the rates stop the speed. So it definitely slowed the speed of infl of inflation down, or or inflation when it comes to house prices, right? It slowed it slowed the acceleration way down compared to the the pace that we were on in early 2022. The pace was insane, so it slowed it down. It hasn't necessarily suppressed it. Um, you know, it, it, we're still up, right? I mean, if you look at stuff that sold last year to this year, they're still an increase in value. You see that now, right? With your Mapleton, you're coming up on a year and ARV yep. is uh, potentially grown by a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, yes. Which I is amazing. Done okay. <laughs> <laughs> even, but, even people who mess up can figure it out every once in a while. So. <laughs> every once in a while, but that's not anything to bet on guys. So no, don't do, do not bet on that. Do not do that. <clears throat> go ahead and run your numbers and figure out how to get in and get out. But yes, I will be saved by a really, really weird market. And I'm not going to argue about it. So, <laughs> well, all right. Now, for... now the fear is when rates go down, right? Then the rate, then the prices are going to accelerate again at a very fast pace. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting supply, to see. Yeah. I mean, to me, unless there's some sort of crazy technology that really somehow can produce a lot more supply for similar or less money and the market is flooded with supply. I don't really understand how um, that would change because you're going to bring renters into the market to as buyers. If it dropped, then you have that as a new supply of uh, buyers on the, on the low end. So there's a little market update, a little bit of a serious talk about the real estate industry. Um, how about what we, else we uh, got? tap in? We've got a little bit of news. You ready for some news? Let's go for it. Uh, 
Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the national news in a second as far as the the NAR, the National Association of Realtors. There's a lot of news in that front. But before we get there, we're going to touch a little local to the DFW area. Tavis and I were checking out. So we live in the north part of DFW, uh, like I said, Plano and Carrollton. North of us is Frisco. North of that is Prosper. And Prosper made news this last week as they announced that they are about to spend $94 million on a football stadium. And so that sort of made headlines. And I sent that to Tavis and he did a little bit more diving into actually the numbers of it. And so t- talk a little bit about what you learned about that proposal up there. Uh, yeah. So their big push is, you know, they're getting ready to vote on, on this bond. And uh, one of the promises they made is that the bond package will not change the tax rate. So uh, they're actually proposing to reduce the tax rate. And the current tax rate is uh, less than what it was in 2014, surprisingly. So uh, yeah, um, here it's showing a little bit over 102 million to uh, improve the athletic facilities, including construction of a new stadium. Uh, Maybe that's additional cost in in addition to the, uh, the stadium, I guess. Uh, but they're talking about, you know, track and renovations and turf and tracks uh, to the existing facilities as well. Better hot dog facilities. <laughs> there you go. So this was an interesting fact, you know, and it makes sense why they're building the stadium. Um, but 20,540 new homes have been built in Prosper ISD since 2016. That's insane. That's yeah. yeah, that, that area that blew, is just that blew my mind. So uh, when we were talking about this is uh, this, so this made me think I, I also do home health, physical therapy. And one of my favorite and I heard it today. I had already thought about this and I heard this today. And one of my favorite things I hear on a regular basis is I'll go talk to I go into someone's house. and I'm doing therapy with them. We're talking. I mean, I like your house. How long have you lived here? And they'll say, you know, oh, we lived here 35 years. And inevitably, they go into the, you know, believe it or not, when we bought this house, everything around here was a field. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that it's like so many people want to be pioneers and they just love this idea that, you know, they sort of went onto the edge of, you know, some sort of crazy frontier and, and paved their way. But I've probably heard that 30 or 40 times while I've done home health over the last 10 years or nine years. And uh, it's just really and then I heard it today. And so I guarantee the people up in Prosper, you go talk up there, everyone that's throwing up a house right now here in about 20 years, they'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, you know, believe it or not, you know, when we moved out here, this was all a field. And it, it is true. I mean, yeah. the tollway dead ended up there. It, you know, it, it is it is insane to think. I mean, we're creeping closer and closer to the Oklahoma border and they already have a ton of great casinos up there. And so it won't be just a whole lot longer until you can drive from you know, Dallas to Oklahoma to the casino, and you would not probably know when you left one and, and entered the other one. Well, it was a pretty cool link that you sent, right? Because you could play with the timeline and uh, prosper from 2002 to 2023, and you could kind of slide the bar across, and it gave you an aerial view. And, of yeah. course, in that time, I remember, you know, I had a friend that lived in Prosper at the time, and that was like 2003, 2004, and you go up Preston Road, you know, and, um, you know, Deion Sanders' house was just this big mm-hmm. estate, you know, that was 
super noticeable <laughs> as you yeah. went up there. You know, everybody knew what it was. Uh, but it, you could see that on the map, that that was built back then. So, you know, we talked about that a little bit last week on just, yeah. you know, real estate investing at that high level of, of projecting and seeing things that far ahead of schedule. But that was interesting. The other big thing for me that I saw on here was it said, a, you know, it's the fastest growing school district in DFW area enrolling 3,000 new students each year. Wow. Since 2002, Prosper ISD has grown from 1,000 students and three campuses to over 28,000 students and 25 campuses in 2023. Wow, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it, the headline of $94 million for a, a football stadium is insane. Allen uh, ISD did something similar a few years back. I think they got to $60 million. McKinney ISD has a huge facility. I know uh, Hertford, not Hertford. Uh, Hearst U.S. Bedford has Hertford is a cattle in a such It's another town in Texas. H E B, H E B over there. Yeah, Hearst U.S. Bedford. But we actually, uh, we have a band concert there this weekend, and it's a huge facility. And so, what a lot of these ISDs do is they they build an enormous, tricked out facility, but then you know several high schools share it as their home stadium. And so, you could have a Thursday night game and a Friday night game that are both home games, and then one or two of your teams are away for the week. And so you can you kind of balance that. Everyone gets to. And so instead of building three or four individual um, smaller stadiums, they go ahead and put all of their uh, money. And I think in the article it also talked about their, you know, they're developing some classrooms. So they're using it as a multi-purpose type space. And so, you know, I'm sure they'll get a ton of use uh, out of those. And when I do go to those stadiums around town, they're super impressive. And, you know, it's a better experience. I mean, it it is a really, really nice experience to sit there and watch football or for us, you know, marching band in a, in a great stadium. So kudos to them. They're growing, they're figuring it out. And I hope, I hope it goes smoothly and I'd love to see a game up there. So, um, well, I have a little, I'll have a little bit of game show for you, Tavis. Are you ready for a game show? I'm ready. Let's do it. This is going to be award-winning segment. How much do you think that house is worth? How much you think that house is worth? I emailed you a screenshot of a house and I tried to delete as much information as possible. <laughs> I may have messed up slightly, so. <clears throat> but this house is in Highland Park. I want you to take a look at that uh, little screenshot there and tell us a little bit about the house. And I want you to kind of use your years, your, your 20 years of experience in the real estate game to try to figure out how much you think that house is worth. The house is in Highland Park. And let's see, what year was it built? So it was built in 1999. So I can guarantee you, unless it's been updated, it probably looks like everything built in 1999. That was old world and lots of dark wood and kiln mm-hmm. beige on the walls and uh, dark countertops and all that good stuff. Probably big, heavy yeah. oak or knotty alder, if you will. Um, so I can't see any more pictures to see if it's been updated since then. Good chance that it is because um, that was obviously 23 years ago and uh it looks like i can't see how fast it sold so i don't know how many days it sold on market. in three days days on oh. market was three well then it was updated. it was a it was a quick one okay and I'll, so i will tell was, you it was sl- it was updated some but not completely and the, the backyard's amazing so okay um, so let's see yes. how big so 0.25 acres so good size lot uh yeah 74 by 150 
And it looks like the square footage is 6,200 square feet, 6,213, according to an assessor. A, a cozy uh, 6,213. Yeah. Five baths, four bedroom, five baths, three living areas, three fireplaces. Highland Park, one of the, the highest in areas of Dallas. So, yeah, 6,200 square feet, four bed, five bath, Highland Park, partially updated, sold in three days. Okay, four and a half baths, sorry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see your brain working. You're, you're recalculating. So let us know how much you think that house is worth. Okay. Going off of my knowledge in the past of Highland Park, I'm going to say $600 a square foot. About $3.6 is my guess. $3.6 million. You were close. However, it sold $1,035 a square foot. Wow. So it sold. So, yeah, I was not close. Strike That's price about... of. million. That is quite a house right there. But Highland Park is a well-known neighborhood in in the Dallas area. Preston Hollow Highland Park. Definitely some of the highest-end houses. And uh, I just like looking through those every once in a while. And I got on the MLS to see what the most expensive house in the last 15 days to close was. And uh, that was it outside of a misprint um, of a... uh, a five-bedroom house up in Frisco that accidentally was listed to sell for $83 million. So oh I think gosh. it sold for $836,000. Oh, wow. So it was it was a big misprint. It wasn't even yeah, that, that $8 million for that. No, I don't think so. I, I think they're really throwing off our numbers. So anyway, whoever has that okay. one might want to check it out. So let's get into our section, our real estate nuts and bolts. The National Association of Realtors and... It's several big brokerages. Keller Williams is one of them. There are a few class action lawsuits that have been uh, filed. This is not new. It's been going for a few years, but it's really coming to a head over the last few months. There's been some settlements. There was one up in the Northeast with a smaller MLS about a month ago, I believe. And then this week, another MLS settled. Uh, for $55 million, and then another one, I believe the total was maybe like $138 million. So what's happening is that there was a class action suit that basically said that on the seller side, they felt like they were pressured into a system that made them pay for the buyer's commission. And you can look at it a lot of different ways. You know, obviously from a realtor's perspective, I like to say, you know, I see it from the Hey, they agreed to it. They signed off on the listing agreement. They sold the house. They cashed the check. There were several places in there they could have negotiated commissions. But their stance is that the National Association of Realtors and the systems of MLSs, which if you don't know that they're actually independent MLSs all over the country, they're not connected, but that they have a rule in place that if you're going to list on the MLS, you have to offer compensation to the buyer's agent. And so they they are saying that that is suppressing competition and that it's actually not in the most, uh, it's not benefiting the, the process and it's adding billions of dollars of money into the real estate market that's uh, inflated and it shouldn't be there. And so, yeah, so they're, um, they're, they're saying, I mean, just to, just to give you some numbers, they said they're saying that, um, that these, these commissions paid to the buyer's agents uh, could potentially save the consumers twenty to thirty billion dollars a year, is what they're claiming, um, if they didn't have to pay as much to the buyer's agent as mm-hmm. what was already predetermined, right? Right. 
Um, and and, that, those, and that's those... their argument. Their their argument is basically saying, you know, that number has been fixed. It's been advertised on MLS. Um, you know, that's been the way we've done business for many, many years. And, you know, their argument is saying that they may have not needed that or they were overpaid in comparison to some other countries, actually, they're comparing us to that do it differently or maybe the buyer's agents get paid less, et cetera. Yeah, I think in Europe and in the Australia, New Zealand, it's a different system where um, basically it's a seller's agent dominated market. So it's interesting, actually, today after we talk, sell buyer leads to agents. And so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because they sell buyer leads to agents. And so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because they sell buyer leads to agents. Right. And so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because they sell buyer leads to agents. And so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because they sell buyer leads to agents. And so if the buyer agent, and to be honest with you, Zillow and sell buyer leads to agents. And so if the buyer agent goes away or is greatly diminished because their commissions are diminished, then the system as we see it now really, really will change. Now, what it looks like, who knows? But in Europe, it's a it's definitely a seller's agent dominated market where once you get a listing, you're kind of in the driver's seat because you host a bunch of open houses. And then, you know, anyone who's walking through the door, one is probably unrepresented and two is also in the market of selling their house. And so you get to it's probably unrepresented and two is also in the market of selling their house. And so you get to see both sides of the buy and sell of this house. But now you have this huge supply of people that, you know, are great leads that you can follow up with and just kind of keep the system going. And then if as a consumer, as a buyer, if you want to hire a buyer's agent, you're welcome to do that. But um, the problem is those fees cannot be rolled into a mortgage. You, you know, mortgage as there's as the laws are now, you could not roll in an extra ten, fifteen thousand dollars in, in agent commissions into your future mortgage and just finance it over the next 30 years. And now maybe that would change. Yeah. So, I mean, I, in my opinion is, uh, you know, and, and going back pre internet, right? So the internet changed the game in real estate, right? It, it extremely did. And I think people are losing sight of that in this scenario. And I think that this system that we have works really well. I mean, it's, you know, it's mind boggling to me to see where this thing developed and what attorney, you know, came up with this concept to do this class action lawsuit in this direction, because there's so many holes to poke in the story because you could go back and say, okay, yes, the agent, you know, that, that represented the buyer made, you know, made 3% on your deal. But how many agents was this shown to? What was the demand, the amount of demand that was created because this was an MLS with an incentive that the buyer's agent representing the buyer is going to get paid 3%. And in essence, would that house have sold for, 3% higher or 3% lower if you take that equation out of it, right? We don't know. I mean, that's the hard part is is if you take that equation out of it, would their property even sell for what it is? Now, one of the statistics we could look at, and I've done this you know, in years ago, obviously, when I got into real estate, I'm going after for sale by owners. 
the argument there was at, with an agent, I can sell the home for more money. There was a percentage amount of the amount of money that I could get you for, for your house compared to you doing it on your own. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's a big argument there. And the reason that listing with an agent is so, is so successful is because we know how to market the property uh, correctly. And we're also marketing the property to other agents, not just the consumer market. We're, con- we're marketing it to somebody like you, Ashton, that is a licensed professional that does this every single day that's used to looking at properties. Or for instance, you know, the property you just sent to me, I know the market enough to kind of look at it. Now, you know, I had to ad live a little bit because I saw the dollar per foot, but I'm going into it blind, but I'm going to look at other comps of what's sold. And I have access to that data versus a consumer or or, uh, versus a seller doesn't have that access. Right. And I think that might be some of the argument here is that they're looking at it that way. But at the end of the day, we're licensed professionals in real estate. This is our job. This is our business is what we do each and every day. We don't practice law, but I like to use the comparison of attorneys in the sense that attorneys represent clients for legal matters and their expertise and the matter, the fact that they're in it every day and they know what their subject matter is, they can advise their clients on what to do and what not to do based on the facts that they find. We're very similar in that, right? And so when you have the fact that we have buyer's agents and we have seller's agents, we both represent our clients equally with a fiduciary rela- uh, fiduciary responsibility to represent mm-hmm. our client at the highest and best uh, necessity that we can based on what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, y- y- we go back again, what I was saying, prior to the internet being created, the majority of properties sold were double-sided by the listing agent and they got uh, uh, people to the property from their sign in the yard or the marketing that they were doing and, you know, broadcasting to a community or a neighborhood or newspaper, et cetera, all different ways of marketing. And the buyer was essentially unrepresented. Now, in a lot of cases, the buyers thought they were represented by both because they would call the sign and talk to the agent and they're like, oh, hey, can you represent me? It's very much like you walking into a car dealership and thinking, you know, that guy's giving you the best deal possible because he made, you know, he made you feel good. He represents the dealership. His, his job is to sell that car for the highest possible price he possibly can and get approval from other people that work there. It's not anything to do with representing you and finding you the best deal. I don't even care if the guy's your friend or not. You know, he doesn't work for you. He works for the dealership, right? So the fact that when the internet changed the game and we came up with an MLS multiple listing service prior to that, that didn't exist, right? Everything was printed on the office window and they had a, yeah. a database of listings and you would talk amongst yourselves and make phone calls and see what was available and things like that. Of, of well, My understanding is actually that's where the, the idea of pocket listing came from was that you would actually keep a list of your current listings in your pocket. Yep. You would have this sheet that the, the broker would print out in the morning or whatever. Yep. Hey, here's what we have available. This is what and we they have would keep in our that office. On them. Yep. This is what we have. Yep. And so it was like literally a pocket listing. And so now you hear the idea of a pocket listing and that's sort of an unlisted, hey, kind of a, uh, I have a buyer, you have a seller, you kind of do it sort of without going on the MLS or something like that. That's kind of the pocket listing is uh, yep. without putting it on the MLS, but that's where it came from. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, of course we're biased, but I do think from a consumer standpoint, it does, it is nice to have representation. And then I think, I think what's going to happen is maybe a hybrid is, as opposed to us going just overnight, you know, Zillow's gone and we're doing this European model. I think it's probably going to be a hybrid and I, I think it'll land in the, the realm of where the sellers have to go above and beyond, or the seller's agent has to go above and beyond in explaining the system and their options and negotiating the, the percentages, explaining where the buyer's fee comes from and where it's going. And honestly, it may be that they restructure that. And instead of calling it a buyer's agent commission, that they call it a marketing fee and that you're basically paying the seller's agent a lump sum fee up front, which is really what happens. And from a financial standpoint, it's unclosing. But um, then they use their, you know, two or three percent that they want as a quote unquote marketing tool. And they pay another agent as a marketing tool to bring agents in. It's really what's happening. That's really what's happening. And um, so if you just called it that and said, hey, uh, my, my overall fee is six percent or five percent or whatever. And I, I typically keep two and a half or three or whatever, and I use 3% for marketing. And honestly, to give you the best chance at selling at top dollar, this is why this is necessary. We use it for this, 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 and this, and this. And part of that I use as, as an incentive to bring other agents in. Yeah, if you said I, that, yeah, what's wrong with that? You know, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I mean, I think that's looked at, I mean, it could be argued, you know, that it's the same thing. It's just being called something different. So I mean, I think, well, I think, I it think is. truly, That's why, I mean, it would be similar. Yeah. I think truly what they're trying to argue is to, to eliminate, you know, it, it, basically the seller being in control of the buyer's agent commission, right? It ultimately is what they're arguing, you know, cause the listing broker, had, had, you know, is hired to sell the house. And so therefore that commission is negotiated, but you know, the listing broker then tells the seller, Hey, I have an agreement here and you're going to agree to it that we're going to co-broker to attract other, other buyer's agents that are going to bring us, you know, a buyer to buy your house, you know, and that's the way it's been done forever. But that's what they're trying to argue against is that that was a predetermined fee versus it being negotiable at the time of the transaction. And that, yes, there is steering that's happened because if they reduce that commission on MLS to 2% or two and a half percent, then an agent that is representing a buyer can decide not to show that, you know, property. Um, they have that authority because it's it's predetermined or pre-marketed that you know they're gonna they're gonna get paid less if they represent this buyer and go go buy this deal, right? And that happens a lot in like REO property or you know other discount brokerages, et cetera. Or, you know, have, you have investors that do that, and so that is always. I think that's really where the argument is, is, is how do they, um, how can the buyer's agent fee uh, be negotiated by the seller to still be fair, uh, and still get a fair shot at the market? You know, I think that's truly like yeah. some of the baseline argument, but again, you go back. I mean, if you're selling your home at the end of the day, you're not paying anything out of pocket because typically it's your equity that's paying the difference. So therefore, the seller has a lot more control over how much money is going out of, as far as the cost of sale versus a buyer that has to come up with the cash, not only to pay, especially if they're financing. And, you know, like, for instance, a $300,000 house, by the time you look at origination fee, you know, your, your prepaids, 
right? Uh, mm-hmm. So your closing costs and your prepaids, your prepaids now are paying uh, three to four months worth of taxes up front, a year of hazard insurance, and then two to three months in reserves. And then your down payment requirement. So even if you're going to FHA at three and a half percent on a $300,000 house, that's, you know, over, you know, it's over $10,000 for the down payment requirement. And then you're looking at another probably eight to $10,000 of cost for closing costs. So now it's going to cost you $20,000. And now if you tack a buyer's agent, you know, onto that, that you're paying, Mm -hmm. now you're talking that the consumer buyer is now looking at having to save $30,000 to get a fair representation, somebody that knows the market, that's a professional, that's in the business every day, that's going to help you negotiate. Otherwise, you're now talking a buyer is going to go into the lion's den with a listing agent mm-hmm. that knows what he's doing, that is going to strong arm the buyer, you know, to get what they want out of the deal. And, you know, you might have buyers that overpay in that sense, right? Because they don't want the representation because they can't afford it. So, I mean, it's super complicated. There's, there's class action. There's, there's thousands of people that are a part of this. There's multiple uh, MLSs. There's big brokerages, you know, um, then cap on top of that, that Redfin, a, a huge, uh, online brokerage system. They actually have, uh, they're pulling away from the NAR. There's no guarantee that, that even if these things go through, that there's going to be changes, you know, it's basically they're, they're yeah. suing for these issues in the past, obviously don't want to get sued again. But I mean, I think that's why yeah. some of these brokerages are just settling and paying the money based on the scenario. Um, and obviously yeah. you would think that changes are going to have to be had going forward to avoid a lawsuit again. Um, yeah. You know, because you can argue all day. I mean, it, it's not that hard to to truly look at selling a home and marketing it correctly and to make sure that you're marketing it with enough um, uh, coverage in the deal to cover a 3% commission to a buyer, right? We use the example of $300,000. It's a $9,000, you know, um, cost of sale, right, to to a buyer's agent. So if you know what you're doing when you list the property and you're coaching the seller what to do, you know the cost of sale. So like, for instance, with me, I always work backwards from, you know, what's the payoff that you owe? What do you want to net? And then let's work it backwards, right? So we're mm-hmm. going to say if you have a, you know, $200,000 payoff, then I'm going to say, okay, you owe $200,000. And so let's do a $200,000 deal. How much money do you want to make, Ashton? You know, how much money do you want to uh, All the net? money. Let's see, uh, 110. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you want to net 110000 right? So then we've got to look at it and say, okay, 110000 plus two is $310,000 times 108%, you know, right, as your cost to sell. So at 8%, you know, mm-hmm. essentially at, Three, that's twenty-four thousand dollars. So we need to sell it somewhere in a one thirty. I mean, sorry, three thirty-six to three forty number. You know, let's say three fifty. So we need to sell the property for three fifty. Does the market support mm-hmm. that? Right. Let's look at the mm-hmm. facts. Does it support it or not? Oh, if not, then we don't list it that high, right? Then you're not gonna, Mister Seller, you're not gonna make a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred ten thousand dollars, right? And we need to work it backwards. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I to me, I, I think it's just. Some, you know, somebody came up with this and it's, it's definitely challenging the market, but I think it's, 
I think it's well, going, got a lot of friends I think it's that are going attorneys, the wrong direction. But, um, yeah, a lot of friends are attorneys, but I did hear one podcast talking about how basically on this one settlement, the, the attorney group is probably going to make roughly $15 million, and then after the rest of the settlement, they divide it out by the number of plaintiffs, they're going to get about $500. I saw each. that too. So it's not yeah. like this is some sort of like windfall for people. So um, that will wrap it up for our Friday edition of the Real Estate Heavyweights. Please tune back in on this coming Tuesday. You know, honestly, if you have any questions, if you just want to know what your house is worth, if you just want to, you know, two cents about, hey, you know, would it make sense for me to, to renovate the kitchen to make my house? Like, we've thought about a lot of those things. We've done the math on a lot of those things. Tavis has a design company that can can render uh, renovations and he can take you through that whole process to say, yeah, let's do this and this. Maybe staying in your house is the best option, using some of your equity and just making it your dream house. That's also an option. So if you want to talk real estate, please reach out. So for me, uh, I am the Dallas Real Estate Guy on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Ashton Hines. Uh, we're working on websites and all the sort of the fancy stuff, but you can find us. Uh, so Tavis, give us an idea on where, how people can connect, uh, connect with you. Yes, uh, you guys find me on the internet, uh, Tavis, not Travis, no R in my name, like Travis without the R. Uh, so Tavis Westbrook, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, are the most popular ones to locate and find me, and uh, look forward to speaking with you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Yeah, thank you so much, and we will check back with you on Tuesday. Thank you.